cliffcentral.com. All right. Well, Stephen Newton is a, uh, he's a terrific guy. Uh, he's the MD of Aleph. They represent X, TikTok, Snapchat, and Spotify in Africa. So, you know, just the small companies. Uh, he's got 25 years of experience in all the businesses across the digital space. He's currently on several advisory boards for startups and mid-sized African companies that work in different parts of the online area. Newton uh, originally led Google's business in South Africa, where he launched Google Maps and Google Street View, and he now works for Aleph, who, as I said, represent all of those big social media and online companies. It's a great pleasure to see you again, Stephen, and thank you for making time for us today. You've been busy, huh? Yeah, first and foremost, equally a pleasure to see you, Gareth, and thank you for making time. It's, it's, it's been busy, but when you're enjoying what you, what you do, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying what you do because I think a lot of people interact with the businesses that you represent on a daily basis, several times a day, which you can't say about many businesses. You know, we maybe interact with them once or twice a month uh, or we buy their products a little more regularly. But actually dealing with the businesses, this is a, a very interesting place to work. It must give you incredible insights into what's actually happening, first of all, in people's minds, second of all, in their lives, third of all, in their consumer behavior, and fourth, what's happening. On a, on a much larger scale in terms of identifying those trends. Yeah, I, I guess uh, you, you're right. In, in many ways it does. Uh, we get a lot of that on a macro level because as you know, your data private, privacy is, is very, very important. We represent these platforms. However, we are seeing, as you mentioned, the use of social media has skyrocketed over the last few years and South Africa mm -hmm. actually being indexing quite high on the amount of time that people spend on, on, on social media platforms, many of the ones that we represent as well as others. Well, let's just look at that for a start because you've brought it up and I think it's fascinating. How does South Africa rack up in terms of the, the amount of time that people spend online and what other interesting statistics can you give us around that? Yeah, it, it's very, uh, it ranks very high, uh, almost on par with some first world countries. Uh, the number at the moment escapes my mind, but I, I will pull it up for you in just a second. But it breaks, ex, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Surprisingly high, uh, especially mm -hmm. if you think about some of the, I guess, the things that we always think about, or I speak about quite often that one needs to have um, e-commerce or a mobile commerce environment. You know, num number one, you need digitally uh, uh, enabled devices. So we, we have that. People in South Africa have mm -hmm. the right devices. Number two, you have to have affordable, preferably always on data. Now, that's a relative question, right? Because affordable depends on the individual. We still yeah. have a lot of young people uh, or a lot of what we call uh, digitally sensitive people, individuals who maybe can afford the data, but maybe choose to switch the data off when they're not in a Wi-Fi area. However, now with many of the MNOs offering certain types of packages where you can have it all you can eat for this platform, it opens things up a bit. So first and foremost, enable devices. Secondly, you have to have preferably always on, but at least affordable data. Now, number mm -hmm. three, you have to have a locally relevant content. Now, there was a time when we first started, when I came to South Africa and started with Google, the local content was really, really important. We're starting to see now that content, international content, is also very, very digestible to people. We're all looking mm. at pretty much the same thing. And even some of the local content is making it internationally. So we're, we're, we all have access to the same. So local content becomes more important when it comes to things like search. When I look for a barber or okay. for a restaurant, I'm looking for that where I am, not somewhere else. Right. Far as content to consume, you know, we're, most people are pretty open to finding content from anywhere in the world. So again, affordable, connectable devices, affordable, preferably always on uh, data, uh, locally relevant, relevant content. If it is a thing that we want to acquire, buy, we have to have mm -hmm. ubiquitous payment mechanisms. Now we know the content of Africa is at the forefront or has been at the forefront of that. You don't have to have a formalized bank account to be able to transact online. Right. Number five, then you have to have, if it is an actual physical thing, a trusted delivery mechanism. 
as you know, I've been here for about 15 years. One thing that I always looked at that we did in South Africa, that was done in South Africa, that I take my, my tip my hat off to, was the idea of buying Mr. Delivery and making it part and parcel of Take A Lot. That was, that was genius. I mean, you, when you think about it, when I first came to South Africa, we had a client who I, I won't name, but they're a big uh, OEM, original equipment manufacturer, wow. high end. And at the time, they were selling only online. Uh, and they had a high ticket price as well. But then they opened up a shop in Santon and their spend online decreased quite significantly. Now this is, this is 2008, 2009. I thought to myself, that's odd. Why would the spend decrease? And the principal at the time explained to me, listen, this is a high ticket price item. And here in South Africa, once we gave people the option to be able to come in and touch it and feel it, they chose to take that option as opposed to trusting that I would buy this high ticket price item and it would actually land at my door. Now that was over 15 years ago. We've come a long way since then. And I, again, tip my hat off at when Take A Lot bought Mr. Delivery because that was a genius stroke to say, here is a platform that you trust. They deliver your food. You've used it all over the, all over the country. Why not allow them to also deliver other things for you. So when you have those five things, the affordable connectable devices, the affordable preferably always on data, which is something I think we can still get better at, the, uh, you know, the, the sure. affordability, the uh, locally or internationally relevant content, and then you have the ubiquitous payment mechanisms, and you have the trusted delivery mechanisms. The last thing you need is scale. And if you have those six things, you have what can become a buoyant e-commerce, m-commerce, and I want to qualify the commerce doesn't necessarily mean buying things. It could also be the exchange of information and idea, right? Ideas. Once you have those six things, you have it, that environment. South Africa is trending very well on, on, on all six of those. It's very good news. Unfortunately, though, in November, they released, uh, Stats SA released the youth unemployment figures. And this is really the reason I wanted to talk to you because... We'll make sure that this is in the headline of, of this podcast because really you guys have been looking at that too. Unemployment figures have gone down marginally, uh, but the youth between 15 and 34 are overwhelmingly locked out of opportunity. Those are the words that were used. That's, that is very, very sad and an, an indictment on the rest of us. 43.4% of young people in this country are unable to contribute meaningfully to the economy. Disgraceful. This translates to 4.6 million young South Africans. So what we want to talk about, and I know this is something you feel very passionately about, is young people and opportunities. What can they do? Where can they go? Is online a, a, an area of, of potential for them? What other jobs are going to make themselves available to these people? And what should they be doing thinking about their own future? Yeah, I think I think you hit the... Some great questions. Number one, uh, the question is online an option. It definitely is an option. Um, I'd like to go start from the beginning. You know, you 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 talked about forty three point four percent locked out of opportunities. When we look at the continent as a whole, not just South Africa, the continent of one point eight billion people thereabouts in Africa, with experts saying that it may rise to double that number. So we potentially are looking at 3.6 billion people on this continent. Okay, that could happen within 10 to 15 years or less. If that does happen, looking at how the rest of the world is trending on population, Africa will be home to the, one of the largest youth populations in the world. We will hold about 25% of the world's eligible workforce. And I just want that to sit in for a second. You know, so one out of four individuals who are of working age will be on this continent. So that's potentially, if you look at it in some ways, an incredible opportunity, right? Potentially. Absolutely. But it's also a potential bomb in the sense of if we have this, this large, uh, large group of young people who are eligible to work, but as you said, we juxtapose that to the lack of opportunities, then you and I are sitting on a potential bombshell because mm. you know and I know young people are not going to sit idly by and do nothing forever. 
Yeah, and and uh, they've been promised that the future is theirs, and and then suddenly they find that there's no opportunity for them in the economy. So, before we get into the actual details of what jobs may be available to these people and how guys like you, and there are a few, uh, only a few, unfortunately, who are thinking this way and 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 trying to take other people's lives and futures into consideration. There is an attitude in this country, and it's an attitude I like, and I think you probably like it too. Hustling, people will do whatever it takes. Let's make a plan. Let's make a plan. (laughs) Right. And and, and you know this about South Africa and probably the rest of this continent, certainly the people I've met from all other places, Ghana, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Nigeria, Botswana. These are places that that have produced tremendously hardworking people are not afraid to take on difficult and challenging jobs. They're not afraid to put themselves out there. They're not afraid to learn and they're not afraid to deliver. Um, But very often they find themselves just faced with a lack of opportunity. So what, what areas in the economy should they be looking at as, as whether lowest barriers to entry, because we don't have a, a great formal education system that can accommodate everybody uh, degrees, you could argue, aren't as useful as they once were. Where in the economy is the best place for young people to enter and start making it immediately? Yeah, I would say that uh, this space that we're talking about now, social media, digital advertising, is one of those. I'm not going to say it's the only answer. <clears throat> and if you allow me to, to Gareth, to just like kind of extrapolate it a bit, you talked about the fact that we have a, you know, make it happen, make a plan, a hustler mentality. And as you said, uh, I've been fortunate enough to travel to at least 44 countries on this continent alone. And one thing that I, I, I hate when I hear anyone say it, and I, I fight uh, I fight viciously, vociferously, is when I hear the term lazy African, because I'm like, for the most part, I, I don't know many. <laughs> I, I, I don't know many, even if they're not doing something that I see as uh, productive for me, they are diligent at it. So. Let me, just, let me just add to, I just want to add to that and say that there are people in the first world who are sitting in, in their parents' houses at age 30, 40 years old that are doing master's and doctor's degrees have never done an honest day's work in their lives or have trust fund money or God knows what else. Those people have a cheek telling the hardworking people of this continent who sometimes do not even have parents or grandparents to rely on that are getting yes. out there and making it happen. You have a cheek calling us lazy. Exactly. And I agree. And, and I don't want to say, you know, I'm very careful not to damn someone who has a trust fund. That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with <laughs> a trust fund. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, but but to, to your point, not being able to empathize, not being able to see nah. the, the, the hustle and the struggle. I'll, I'll give you a, a company I worked for in the past. We had very interesting um, hiring uh, interview ta- tactics. And one interview mm-hmm. tactic was that when one interview tactic was that a, um, a an employee or a potential employee must show something kind of extraordinary, something different, like something that makes you stick out compared to others. And we would normally have like a group of individuals who would interview this person and ask these questions. And I found myself one day sitting uh, and 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 interviewing someone who their extraordinary act was. Uh, I have four brothers and sisters. My parents died when I was about 12, 13. I'm the eldest. They died from HIV. Uh, I somehow made my made myself put myself through school and finished and got a university degree. And now I'm putting my brothers and sisters through school as well. And wow. that was googly. I said the word. <laughs> Sorry. That that was the the the, the moment of this is what I've done. And there were some people on the on the panel who I could see were visibly not impressed, not chuffed at all. And I asked, can we stop the meeting? And I have a sidebar. And I asked these individuals, what is it about what happened that that this person said that you thought didn't quite wasn't quite right? What did you do that was extraordinary. One person talked about his trip around the world or his gap year. Another person talked about another few things. And I thought those things are awesome. And and I'm sure if this individual had that opportunity, he would have done that as well. However, he did. It's It's understandable that you may in some ways even feel the guilt of, oh, 
if I say that this person's thing is extraordinary, it kind of makes mine feel less, but I don't even want to go there because your reality is your reality. But can you empathize and imagine what it must have been like to put, lose your parents and support yourself and your siblings to go to university? If that's not, if you can't see that, then there's something wrong. So what should young people who, who maybe come from exactly that kind of background, what should they be looking at? What, what, where are the opportunities for them? Right. So I think it starts one level higher. I think as parents, uh, you, you, you were born, you were raised here in South Africa. Am I correct? Are, are you yep. South African born and bred? As parents, yep. our parents have this idea of what opportunity looks like. We talked about a mm. lot out of opportunities. Now, my parents thought my son will be a doctor. My son will be a lawyer. My son will be a accountant. My son will be there. There are probably five or six, seven different things, an engineer that they want us to be. I ended up going to school for law, practicing law, but didn't really like it, Gareth, but I did it. Take right now. The problem is on this continent and in life in general, not every kid is going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a statistician, an accountant, an engineer. It's just not possible, even with even if they all have the potential to do so. One point mm. eight billion young people coming on board in a continent where there aren't enough universities to even accommodate those individuals. Right. We right. have to start thinking about opportunities in a different way. And, 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 and that's where I think the digital space is a space, is a space. This platform we're gonna talk about later, I've had young people who have university degrees, who have second university degrees, who have taken this course and they feel like, well, even though I have a degree in X, for example, there's someone I know who's an engineer, who is a, a, a materials engineer. I mean, not a stupid person, yeah. but no. the number of opportunities where they are for that degree are very, very, very low. By taking courses that helps them find work today, it changes. So I think we have to first change the idea of what an opportunity is. I would never say, don't go get an education. Don't go get a formalized education. If you can, that's great. But it's almost like you have to become a platform. You have to have a tool belt with many different tools and understand that the one tool you spend a lot of time on here might not be the right tool for now. So the digital space, understanding digital, the digital marketing space is a space where you can find a job, uh, whether it be here, or whether it be abroad. And that's the next part. 1.8 billion people on this continent under the age of 35 in the next 15, 20 years. We have to stop thinking we're preparing them for jobs on this continent only because Oof. that's not going to happen either. We have to start that, thinking. Yeah, go ahead. No, that's a scary idea because we, we, you know, we, we want our workforce to go and have opportunities anywhere in the world. And the more skilled and the more useful we are, the better our opportunities would be anywhere. And I don't begrudge anyone that, but this continent needs specialists and infrastructure experts and engineers and, and, and people who can understand the market and sell products. And we, we're going to need a lot of that ourselves. And obviously for many of these people, before they can start thinking about Going abroad with these skills, they have to develop them here. Now, as I've just discussed with you, that the opportunities are limited here. So is there an opportunity here for those people to start to learn, to gain experience? Uh, or are those also out of reach? No, I, I think you, you pointed out something very, very, very important. I mean, you think about me, for example, I left the U.S. in 1998. I'm a very fortunate person. I hold a few passports. I can live in many different places. I choose to live here. My wife and I, our son was born here. Our son can live in many different places. I hope that we help do some part in making this continent a place where he decides this is where he wants to stay as well. So this stopgap, there are a lot of young people. So we have the energy, we have the, the manpower, as you mentioned, there are not a lot of potential opportunities for various different reasons. However, just because the opportunities are elsewhere doesn't necessarily mean digitally that you have to be elsewhere. So here we are, you and I are talking, wow. you're in Georgia, 
Yoga, I believe. I'm here in Cape Town right now. Mm -hmm. I can be in India. I could be in Nigeria. I could be in Burkina Faso. I could be. So the idea is that, yes, we have the manpower here. Our Western counterparts, they're they're aging, aging markets. So you're going to have these various swings and roundabouts where you're going to have company or countries go to the right and say, immigrants stay. And then you see what happens. We have no workforce. Please come. But but I'll tell you when to stop. Right. There's going to come up as well where it becomes maybe you don't have to come. But we're so digitally connected. And once we have the affordable devices, we have the affordable, preferably always on data. Stop there for a second. Do you remember the days maybe 15 years ago you would have a uh, a what's a, a mobile phone call or a data driven phone call or a Skype call with someone in New York. And you just mm-hmm. knew it was going to go in, it was going to go out. It, it was very, uh, <laughs> do, do you remember those days? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's how old, that's how old we are. That's how old we are. Right. And, and things have gotten better, right? Where sometimes now I'm actually talking to a friend in DC quite recently going, What's wrong with your data? Like, uh, I, I have full full bars. You're in Washington, the state capital of the United States, and you seem to have an issue. So that 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 distance is is closing. Trust me, I don't think any countries out there want 1.8 billion young Africans all coming to their country. Let's be honest. However, they'll need that workforce, and there are ways that workforce can assist, especially in this space, being where they are which allows the countries that we're in to get to a point where we didn't lose that talent. We're actually exposing that talent to other markets that might be more advanced in some ways, in some areas. They're here waiting when, 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 when we meet their, their, their need. I'm sorry to be a pain in the backside on this, but imagine you're talking to someone who's in high school and they're trying to prepare themselves to be useful in the job market. And you've talked a little bit about social media. You've talked a little bit about which industries you think you're going to keep an eye on. What skills do these people need? Do you need to be coding? Do you need to be uh, a graphic designer? Do you need to be able to understand and interpret social media in terms of not only trends and, and, and messaging and marketing and all of that stuff, but also being able to understand how algorithms work how you interpret statistics from social media. What are the most valuable skills do you think going forward? Yeah. Do you need to so, so, do you need to be a drone pilot? I mean, what what kind of stuff should people be looking at? If if I could answer you, uh, I would say yes to all those things, right? You can't be all those things, right? But but mm-hmm. all those things are things that are of value, at least in the foreseeable future. So right. so all those things. You can't we, we we can't be masters of each of those, but choose one of those things. Uh, do you have children? I hate to be personal, but no, do you have no. kids? Okay. No. I have a nine-year-old son and I have uh, older daughters as well. Mm. If you ask my nine-year-old boy, he is very convinced he's going to be a YouTuber. Right. He's very convinced. And, <laughs> and, and really, the only thing that's in his way is me, right? Saying, look, you know, you're only nine and, <laughs> and you can't really do this and that. But, but in his mind, he will go on to YouTube. He will find, he's even had a video that he put up and he showed me how many users he's got, how many views he has. And so what I'm saying to you is that the children kind of know, the young people know, but there's this, there's this, there's the system, the system that says, as a parent, what I expect from you, like even me being in digital space, I, I don't go, hey, my son wants to be a YouTuber. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think to myself, you know, because I come from a different era, even though I, I'm in the digital space, I'm not native to it. Mm-hmm. Native born. I'm native in the sense of I grew up with it. But I still think, well, that's great. But I want you to take some business courses as well so that you can know how to pivot if necessary. But he already knows and he already can go and teach himself things that. Gareth, to be quite honest, me being in a space myself, as long as I've been, he teaches me things about it. Right. So I, I think the youth are are quite clued up to what it is that they find interest in outside of whatever the system is saying they must do. 
I think the system needs to get to a point where we help to foster those things and we help to make them a bit more formalized and we help to make them a little less, um, that's what I'm looking for, uh, demonized. So, I mean, this is where LF have this program called Digital Ad Expert. Yes. So, and I, I don't mind giving you guys a plug for this because I do think it's really, really valuable. So someone's listening to this now, they're thinking, okay, well, this guy makes sense. Hopefully you and I make sense on this. And he or she is thinking, mm, the, the future is something that I want to start making down payments on now. I want to start training and preparing and, and, and learning and educating myself. And that, you know, thank God for the internet because a lot of that stuff is now for free. You might not get a certificate for all of it, but Digital Ad Expert is this platform that's providing free digital marketing exp expertise. So you can go on there and you can learn this stuff while you're doing other things. You can inform yourself of what the opportunities are. I mean, I, I see here, just for example, and you can comment on any of these, so feel free to interrupt me. Uh, ad servicing, that, that as a business is up 84.6%. Analytics up 84.6%. Marketing consulting up 36%. Creativity, I don't know how you measure that, but that's up 35.4%. Uh, web content writing. Now, you know, web content writing, you can train yourself to be good at that. That's not something you need to go and do a three-year degree in. Exactly, exactly. That's and, a, and that's a 30.3%. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so you, you, you were asking about that platform. As you said, it's free. It's free. So mm -hmm. if that young person or that middle-aged person or even the older person is listening, they can go to digitaladexpert.com. They can take short little courses for free and mm -hmm. brush up on any of, we basically say these are the five, these are the five platforms that we most uh, represent in market. And out of these five platforms, we give you the option to be able to go very lightly or very deeply and become certified. And if you become certified, you actually do get a certificate. And once you get that certificate, we actually let our partners and the agencies and our clients and ourselves know, here is another person who is employable should you want to be employed. Some people go on and do it just for themselves. And yeah. the way it works is you go online and again, Short courses, no problem. If you want to take the three-month certificate course, you take a small test. And if you pass that test, you're invited to a next cohort. And that cohort is partially self-driven, but it's also we have teachers, professors who will have classes with people around the world online for you to be able to take part in. At the end of that three months, which again, you pay nothing. What you have to have, of course, is data and you have to have your computer or your, your device. But at the end of that three months, if you're successful, you will be, you will have a certificate in those five platforms to say that you have been Google qualified, you have been meta qualified. And that doesn't stop you from what you're doing in your day to day. That sounds amazing. Um, are there any are there any things that uh, that you've found recently that are tools? Because I, I know people who've learned how to play the guitar online just by watching YouTube videos. I know people who've learned how to, uh, you know, beat like computers at chess. All all kinds of skills are available to people. Unfortunately, I feel like so many of us just use the internet for dumb stuff. You know, scrolling mindlessly through Instagram and I don't know, watching sport or cat videos or whatever this is this is not the thing to do with with your as much as it's fun and it's yeah. like mindless and you can entertain yourself there are all kinds of there are universities online yes. there, there are actually ways to get certification and credentials from institutions and there are people who can teach you that might even be in your own community that you might connect with on whatsapp for example right exactly i mean listen this goes back to what we were saying earlier gareth the world is very aware of the emerging market uh, conundrum, that we have such a big population with limited infrastructure. And those who are to know, know we're gonna need brain power from those regions. So over the last decade, you've seen things like Khan Academy, you've seen things like MIT offer courses online. Now, these are, these are organizations that usually are for-profit organizations. 
but they realize that <coughs> not everyone can 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 afford a full degree. But maybe if I start giving you bit size pieces, maybe one day you might want a certificate as well, which we also have to make affordable enough for where you are because if we fast forward 10, 15 years from now, which I plan to be here, I hope you plan to be here as well in 10, 15 years from now, and we have a world where the majority of 1.8 billion young people are unemployed or underemployed, it's not going to be good for the continent or for the world. I, I don't know if you've, yeah. ever, if you've ever been to Morocco. I, I, I remember going to Morocco in the early 2000s. And the first time that I went, I actually took a ferry, one of the fast boats from Spain to, 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 to Morocco. And when you land there, Gareth, you would see a thousand young, mostly African men mulling around, looking over, trying to find a way to escape North Africa to get into Europe through the Strait of Gibraltar. Now, I just get this visual in my mind of 1.8 billion or even a even 10% or 2% of that. The world doesn't want that. So there are lots of resources that are being made available because now we have the affordable devices. We have the pretty much always on or you can go to a Wi-Fi area. If someone wants to learn something and they have a device, they can find a free resource for that if that's what they want to do. And I think that is the hope. Um, you work with all these social media companies. So I have to ask you because they say that if you aren't paying for something, you are the product. And a lot of these social media companies have come under fire, whether it's fair or not, you can help me figure out. But people spend the, the majority of their, their online time on the companies that you work so closely with. You know, you've got TikTok, Snapchat, Spotify. Um, a lot of this, it feels like they're distracting people, that they're actually not helping these people to be better. We were talking about these free resources online, but people would rather be doing, you know, a TikTok video or watching someone else's TikTok video. What do you think young people in particular should know? And it's almost like a bit of a public service announcement that I'm hoping you'll give here. As much as you represent these companies, I think even they are aware of the fact that they have, there are detrimental and, and very dangerous risks to young people in particular uh, for, for, for you know, doom scrolling and, and, and comparing themselves to their very rich friends online and uh, body dysmorphia for young girls and bullying and all kinds of stuff that we have to acknowledge because as much as these companies and, and, and the internet have made our lives better and opened up opportunity for us, it's also put particularly young people under tremendous pressures that I didn't and you didn't deal with when we were young. There's no, there's no doubt about that. It's like this idea of the genie being out of the bottle, right? Uh, but right. but, I, but I think there's also this idea, and I, I have this, this odd way of looking at it, that we, we also have humanity changes over time in the sense of, let's say, our, our operating system, you and I, are, is mm. 4.1. Our, our children's children have a different operating system, and something is more native to them. I was looking at a reading an article where they were talking about this in in particular, and I want to paraphrase what the article said because I think it was really important. It talked about things like bullying, and if you and I were a kid, were children who were bullied in school, for example, we would go to school. It would be a tough time, but we would come home, and that was our mm -hmm. moment of respite, and we could kind of right. cheer ourselves back up. And back into the fray the next day. Maybe mom and dad would give you a you know a conversation. Your big brother would say, "Hey, do you want me to go down to the school and sort that out for you?" But you had a moment of 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 ease, a moment. And the children today don't have that because what they're this is on all the time. Or mm -hmm. like my junior partner in the background, the iPad is on all the time. So if that type of if that type of uh, energy is happening, it's happening. It could be happening twenty four seven. You get no break. It looks like it looks like it does look like your kid is having more fun, like a traditional kid, like playing with the iPad on his foot. I I prefer that than like him just being screen obsessed. That's great. 
<laughs> but, but, but you understand what I'm saying, right? With that, they're in a different. Yeah. In a different I get you. So, so you are right. We now have the potential that everyone has access to the same information almost simultaneously. Do mm. you really go like to uh, the, a news channel to really understand what's happening at the moment, or are you going there because you're interested in so and so's point of view? Or they're bringing actually something that that's not like uh, uh, temporal, because if you really want to know what happened right now in Chicago, it's quite easy to do so. Just go on, on, on online and find out. So that's the benefit. The detriment is that, of course, as you said, everything is available. Each of my children, my eldest is quite is quite older, so she wasn't born in the time that social media was really was really happening. My youngest daughter, at the age of about eight or nine, asked me a question that I wasn't quite sure if I was ready to have that conversation with her. And at the time I was working for Google and she looked at me and she saw the hesitation and she said, it's okay, daddy, if you don't want to answer, I'll just go look it up. And I realized <laughs> I can't, she's right. And as much as I can try yeah. to police her activity, there is a window of opportunity she can find out what she wants. So we have to be, I think, even more communicative with our children than before wow. because there is so much that they're being exposed to that you just don't know. You yeah. know, I, I, not to put any any you know any person under the bus or any platforms under the bus. Some of the platforms we work with, I look at the filters and I go, okay, well, this is supposedly child friendly. But things slip through sometimes. It's it, it's mecha it's me mechanism. It's a mechanism. Yeah. So yeah. things happen sometimes. Once they understand those things happen, they try mm -hmm. to fix them. But these things happen sometimes. So I think the we, we're not putting that cat back in the bag. We're not putting that genie back in the bottle. I think we have to also start to change and adapt and say, let's talk about what's going on because I can't. I really can't. I can put a filter on your computer, I can put net guard, net nanny, but just like uh, uh, things iterate, things change. You have mm -hmm. to have that communication. What do you think the role of our, our leaders, uh, whether that's in politics, in business, in society, because a lot of these people are old ass, like they, we, they've been around a long, long time, maybe past their sell-by date and not just here in Africa, but you know, you could Joe oh, Biden God. running in America. Joe Biden is Biden in the crypt. <laughs> I mean, wow. And, and and you got 80 year olds and 70 year olds. Listen, there are there are amazing 70 year olds. Don't get me wrong. There's an exception to every rule. There are some of these people who are as good on a phone. They're on WhatsApp groups. They are busy all the time. They know what's going on. They're technologically savvy. But by and large, especially the political leadership, the guys in, in, in business who've been there a long, long time, the guys who started the company, these guys are not clued up. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you in this sense. There's um, even the really clued up ones, God bless you, even the really clued up ones, we, we, are, we have a situation where you have individuals who are trying to lead and they don't represent their constituency, really. I mean, there aren't many uh, countries on this continent, um, at least, or even in the world, there's very few where the average age is 60 to 70. There's very few of those. Yeah. So, so you know, if we just take, bring it back to this continent, first and foremost, if the average age is, is below the age of 35 for pretty much every African country, and I have a leader who's 75, if, if, if I could you know, write a, a treaty or, or a treatise, it would say something like, there is this group of elders. Because you need advice. You need not just what's temporal, but you, know, you need that kind of sage wisdom to say, hey, you might have seen this before in a different flavor. Can you help me? But for the most part, you, know, you need more and more younger people involved in decisions that are going to affect them. Many of the decisions that are being made today by these septagerians or octagerians, the, the, the results of the decisions, they won't even be around to see. And, and, and there's a future that they, they may not even understand or can even visualize, but I'm making a decision for, for you. 
Uh, maybe yeah. I should pull you into this as well. You know, so there has to be this balance. Um, but, but having said that, we also have to realize that there are sadly uh, not as many countries or markets that have also made a way for those individuals to go and be relevant and be okay, even financially. At the end of the day, you and I both, we have to continue living as long as we're alive. We have to continue having a home and whatever it may be. So we have to find a way to balance that out. Um, I, I hear you. I also think um, for many of us, it's an excuse to look at uh, leaders and worry about policy and stuff when we haven't even got our own lives in order. But the the internet and 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 ICT, that sector, into information and communications technology, uh, th there are ways to use this for good and for bad, just like everything else, right? I mean. We've seen it used for revolution in some countries, the Arab Spring being the perfect example of this. Do you think in Africa it is understood and recognized as a tool for real social change and not just for economic opportunity, which I think we've covered in this discussion already? And do you think people understand, do you think people understand the value of, or it's just intuitive now, you know, you, you mentioned your kids earlier. And really, I'm spitballing here because I don't know the answer myself. But if you're a digital native and you grew up with this stuff and you don't even think about it, it's like second nature. Uh, do, you, do you consider these things in a serious way like we're trying to on this discussion? Or is it just something that you kind of are semi-conscious of and it's just coming and going? It's just part of your day-to-day? -day? I think those in the know or, or those who have time or the willingness to think about it too. Um, I'll give you an example. My, my back, I'm ex-military as well. My background in military mm. was military intelligence. Now, we, right. we, controlling media is any government. Uh, it, if you want to control thought, you control media. And let me give you a, a kind of a dark, but turns to be a good story. Think about the largest media company on the continent and one of the largest in the world, my former employer, Nespers. Mm -hmm. Incredible company. In military mm -hmm. intelligence terminology, if I want to um, start a war or, 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 or if I want to uh, control the way people think or influence the way people think, think about the old school days where you would see uh, the, the US uh, a bomber flying above a country bringing down propaganda. Mm -hmm newsletters right that was the media at that time if right. i can control the airwaves at one time that was the media you can only see what i allow you to see if i Correct. like i will put more up if i don't and, and that in a way was also a part of apartheid right of now in many, other, in many other countries it might not be called apartheid because it might not be as does what it says on a tin but it's, it's a similar thing. So yes, I do agree that countries know when you look across this continent, when you have certain countries that have an election and they feel things are going the wrong way, you'll hear things like they've shut down Meta or Facebook and Country X, or you know, they, 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 they've stopped the servers for, for X. Why? Because I want to control thought. I want to control mm -hmm. thought. I want to control behavior. So in order to do that, I, I have to control whatever, whichever media is the media of choice of that time. Is, is, that, is that clear, first and foremost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very clear. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, going back to the origins of, of radio and, and the way that was used by the Nazis even, you know, we're talking the 1930s. Um, the application is no different. It's just the technology that's changed. And, and, may, and maybe the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the proposed outcome might be different, like, right? right? But, but communication and media is very powerful. You have an incredible tool, and I'm sure you understand the weight and the responsibility you have because you reach X number of people on a daily basis who come back and listen to what you say. So you have a responsibility. Now, I'm sure if you wanted to, you could misuse that. You said something a few minutes earlier. Uh, I'm, I'm okay giving you a plug. 
because you could use your platform to just monetize. But but you're conscious. You said, I'm okay giving a plug here because I think it's for the best. So so just just think about that for a second. Now we have all these platforms. We have we have this thing that has, gosh, how many different applications that I can talk to and engage with the world. There, there may be some who think, well, look, there's an agenda that I'd like to push. This is why as well, I think now we have to be even more communicative with one another, whether it be with the children or right. with you. But, but this requires reliable, honest, truthful communication and information that you can trust. And trust is a big part of this. So again, I don't want us to get too philosophical because the whole reason I, I was excited to speak to you, and, and I know we could talk about pretty much anything and it would be interesting to us, but the reason I think that this is valuable and useful to other people is the, 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 the ability that it gives young people to empower themselves. And, and to go down the line of this trust thing, who can we trust? What information is reliable? What can we what can we take to the bank yes. on the internet? And 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 in the in this this world that you've already brought up propaganda and we know how much people can misuse and misdirect and and where communication is not used for the purpose of conveying ideas and and understanding each other instead it's used to manipulate people. How much of that, in your experience, and you're uniquely positioned to comment on this, is going on on the internet? And is it going to is it going to just chew these young people up and spit them out on the other side, and they're going to be even more bitter and resentful because they've been lied to? I, I think you, you made a very interesting um, uh, comparison. Let's stick to skills. If I right. can learn something online and I can get a certificate that the universe uh, uh, agrees is, gives me a thumbs, thumbs up, that's real. There are a lot of opinions online. Some of them might be valid, some of them might not be valid, right? Or, or there are lots of opinions. What I can say is that if you can educate yourself online and you can get qualifications online for free, that part we can say, of course, what, what is, the, what is the, the other? There's no, down, there's no downside. There's no downside there. What, what, what the other side of things, what I would hope is that we are all becoming more critical and independent thinkers. Because it says so on a TikTok video doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It could be entertainment and that's okay as well. There's nothing wrong with being entertained. But what I would hope that we are becoming more and more is right, I understand this is entertainment or I think this might actually be, let me research, let me try to find the truth to that. So that part of it, it's a, it's a sliding scale. The part where it comes to, can you learn something? You were talking about uh, um, uh, learning things during COVID. I picked up Simply Piano. I'll tell you, Gareth, within a month, I was playing songs. That's true. I didn't play those songs before, but I played songs now. I've been doing Duolingo, you know, on and off. My wife has been doing it much better than myself. She, she didn't speak French really. And, and now we practice some, because I, I, I studied for seven years, but I can tell you what's true. If I'm speaking to someone in French, she knows what I'm saying now. That's true. So, so if, if, I, if I separate those things, skills, use, use online. Make sure you get all that you can out of the fact that the world's information, what Google set out to do, Larry and Sergey, make the world's information universally accessible. We're pretty much there. We're, we're, we're very close, much closer than we were 10 years ago. But we also have the world's opinions as well. Mm. Separate opinions from true information. Right. Yeah. All right. So you, you're actually very optimistic about Africa. You, you said we're going to be the workforce of the world. But hopefully we'll also have our say in how the world operates. Um, we don't want to just be the employed. We want to be the employers. We want to be innovators. We want to come up with ideas, start companies, be the entrepreneurs, not just supply the world with labor. That would be horrible for us. So how do you measure that? And what do you think 
our chances are at the moment and in five and 10, 15 years time uh, to compete at an international level and to innovate as fast, if not faster than what yeah. we see everywhere else, especially in India and China, yeah. and, and China, it has to be said. No, that's great because you think about their, their um, trajectory. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. about being a child born in the 70s and I remember in the 70s, in the U.S. at least, I don't know about here, but in the U.S., made in China was not a, a, a thing to brag about. It, no. it, at that time in the U.S., it was cheap goods made in China. Right. That, that, was, that was what we were told. And that's what, for the mm -hmm. most part, we, we believed. Okay. And, and let's say, let's assume for a second that it was actually true. The quality was not as good. Let's just assume. If that's the case, no problem. Over time, you and I now, we're kind of surprised if something's not made in China. Am I, am I, am I wrong? No <laughs> one out. Okay. They, they, they doubled down and they rolled that period out. So here's my point. India was an export. We, we, we are going to export our talent. In fact, we can have call centers here. We can do it all here. But now what happened, and we even will send our engineers to MIT, et cetera, et cetera, go to the U.S. And at some point they came back. And now you see the economy booming. What we're very fortunate is that we keep getting in a space where technology, Africa is what I was referring to, in a space where technology allows us to leapfrog certain things. Why did we mm -hmm. do so well on mobile, uh, on mobile wallets? Because the mm -hmm. banking system, you know, very strong banking uh, chops here in South Africa, very strong accounting skills, numeracy skills, but the infrastructure meant we didn't have time to do the other steps in between. We had to move right. quickly to go to the next step. We have that opportunity here as well. So my, my point is that workforce, how many Africans do you know? Let's go with South Africa. You've heard of the idea of black tax, right? You, 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 this, yes. this is a, okay. So in, in your best, best uh, definition, how would you explain what that means? It means that every person in South Africa who's employed is probably helping far more than just their children. They are they're supporting uh, sometimes upwards of, of 5, 10, 15, 20 people who are not employed in their family. They're, they're helping people who do not have formal education. They're helping people who've never been able to crack a job because the market is limited and opportunities are scarce. Um, and we do have a problem in this country too, where there are many people who are unemployable because the education system has let them down to such okay. a degree that they, they can't find a space in the market by traditional means. And, and, and what we're talking about is non-traditional means largely, yeah. which is, yeah. I think that rep, that represents a huge chance on the horizon, right? Which, which we don't have before, but, but, for, but for many of these people, but for many of these people, the black the black tax is their reality. So they they take something home and they're actually supporting a ton of people. Yes, and I'm going to put it into a different terminology. I'll put something that you and I might hear and use more often in our 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 uh, our realms. You know, Come we on. have a lot of incubators. We have a lot of uh, hub, all these people who are playing black tax are really like little incubators, right? They mm -hmm. they they are they are saying I have been given something more than what you have. Mm -hmm. And it's my responsibility to give you a little bit of this. Why? Because I'm hoping that I'm putting a bet. I, I'm, I'm investing in you to be able to do something with this. And we grow and we grow and we grow. So my point is when you say, right, let's start with making 1.8 billion young people employable. The DNA right. of most Africans is that black tax or that tax in the call, yes. it's black. It's black here, right? It's, it's, it's that tax, oh, right? No, no, no. I and, get, I get you. Yeah. Right. When that tax is paid, no one is taking their salaries home and just spending it on themselves. Well, not not most people. Oh, no. They're making a lot of little incubator bets, and over the next 10, 15 years, with the with the uh, the the resources that are available to those younger people, they're making bets. We're going to see a change. We, 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 there's no there's no question about it so the start is imagine just having that uh 
that 43, was it 43.4% you said uh, locked out of opportunities here in South Africa? Yeah, 43.4. Okay, imagine this getting that down to 30%. That 13.4%, I would pretty feel pretty confident that over the next two, three years, it would reduce exponentially because that 13.4% aren't just investing in themselves. They're now investing in someone else who may say, you know what, I now have the ability to go and start my own thing over here. And maybe it's not a multi-million rand or multi-billion rand company, but when I start my own thing, I employ five people. And then one of those people start their own thing. And just having a job and having income can change the entire community, the entire continent. All right. You you got your your son. It's your son who was in the background there, right? Yes, yes. And is he the one who wants to be a YouTuber? Yes, he wants to be a YouTuber. <laughs> that the the world is changing so fast that the the skills that people are learning now will probably be out of date in five years from now. That's how quickly things are changing, and. I, I'm concerned, and I can only imagine the anxiety that this gives parents about what, how they can empower their kids. You know, I look at what's happening in the universities in America and, and how it's become like this fight for credentialism. And it's more about having your kids mix with other kids who are as rich as you so that they can have the opportunities. It's like, a, it's like an old boy's network. It's almost like a class hierarchy, a structure which is it, it, it's, it's impermeable to someone who's from the outside. Now, that's not going to last very long either. We see already the credibility of these institutions falling to pieces. What you guys are doing with the digital ad expert, what, what so many other companies are offering for free online, are these things going to be as desirable? And are you constantly working on improving them are you paying attention to what the the, the, the the trends are all over the world so that these will not be outdated and not so useful like the universities are becoming? That's, that's very important. And, and yes, as much as we can, like, for example, uh, right now we offer training mostly on that deals with marketing, digital marketing. But we realize mm. through one of our countries that we deal a lot with in the Middle East, because we have this program across the world, in the hundred plus countries that we <clears throat> that, that that we have uh, businesses in, we realize that you know um, coding is also very important. So for certain countries, we are starting a program that is a one year long coding course, and we'll see how that goes in those countries and see how we can make it available in other countries as well. So yes, as much as we can, we are making uh, making those changes where we see, right, there, there are other needs. And, and I love that because one thing I'll say is that when my son says, hey, I want, I want to be a YouTuber, I have no problem with that. He also takes coding because my thing is, well, I don't mind you making content. That There's a need for that. But, but, but I also don't want you just to be a consumer. I want you to be a producer and be able to understand the full value chain of what you have to do. I would assume... Uh, I don't know what your 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 uh, you, what you what you did before this. As I've known you, you've always been in this space. But I would assume that over the years that you've been involved in media, your skill set in front of the camera, in front of the mic, behind the mic, has changed. Oh please, I'm a one trick pony. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you're not. But you understand what I'm saying. You know, you start <laughs> yeah. more about yeah. your business. Than just well, I think that's such a valuable point because it doesn't matter if you're not the young person that we started off talking uh, to. You could you could be someone in their sixties or seventies who's looking for a new way to bring in some extra income. You've yes. got like huge institutional wisdom. You've got experience, and now you want to share that with the rest of the world. Yes, the inter the internet provides you with an unbelievable opportunity to to do this for other people and to teach and to learn and to, and upskill uh, someone else. 
to add to your arsenal, you, you have a tool belt that you've that you accumulated various tools over the various decades. You know, my, my philosophy is you stop when you stop learning, you you die. That's how I, I feel. That that's my I'm right. I agree so with you. Why not? Well, why, why not learn something new that can help you and add to that tool belt? All right. Uh, just just quickly, because we've got to pay lip service to this, but governments always talk about the fourth industrial revolution and they talk about these UN sustainable development goals. And uh, how much does that factor into what you do? And you you could tell me if it's nothing. I, I don't mind. And don't, don't you pay lip service because I'll know if you are. No. I, I, look, what I'm saying to you comes from passion, from, from my heart. The role that I had right before this role was working for an OEM, original equipment manufacturer, computer manufacturer. And mm -hmm. as you talked about UN development goals, one of the UN development goals is 4.1, which is about digitization. You know, getting young people digitally re enabled, ready for the for, for IR, for, for the new world yeah. that's coming. Every African country signed up to that. What we tried to do at that company was say, right, most countries agree that young people need to understand computers. So we have these one laptop per child, or we're going to have a, 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 a computer lab in a school. And what happens there? We usually buy computers from, from China to, to fill that need. That company was looking at, well, why don't we start by trying to assemble those same computers in your country. Well, why? Well, you don't want young people to only consume, be consumers of this technology and you make China's economy stronger. Now, I'm not a, a separatist that says countries shouldn't work together. However, if you were to have 1.8 billion young people un potentially underemployed, maybe we should start learning some local skill sets of assembling computers. So you're not just making computers for the young people, you're actually teaching a skill set that we can move from simple assembly to manufacturing. And if we can move from simple assembly to manufacturing, maybe we can move to creating a motherboard. Now, if we can move to creating a motherboard, we could then say when a young person at a university, think about the universities in the UK or in Europe or in the US where they have IP, the university says, we have developed and designed X, Y, Z. One of the reasons why they can say that is when they get to the point where it's electronics and they can make, they can make the motherboard locally. Because if I have to think of my idea and I have to send it to China or send it to Turkey or send it to Hong Kong or Taiwan, there's a chance that that IP is no longer my IP. I'm a manufacturer mm -hmm. in Taiwan. When I make it for you, I'm going to make it for as many people as I can. It's, it's economics. However, if I have a situation where I can make my own, then all of a sudden my local young people can feel free to find ways to solve local problems and it can be done within our own ecosystem. So what you're talking about is what I truly, truly feel in my heart is my passion. So how are governments with it? I think that there are some governments, and in that space, I dealt with a lot of governments and a lot of uh, finance directors, sometimes um, uh, sometimes uh, uh, the actual president or the minister of finance. Very right. interesting. You have a mixed bag. You have some people hmm. who feel like, look, uh, I got another five to seven years or less, and I have a goal, and that goal is to make sure I'm okay in five and seven years. And if we can yeah. do some good things along the way, that's great. But think of it like this. And I, 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 I had a conversation once with a CFO of a big bank who wanted to talk about um, innovation. And sometimes that can be a bit cheeky, Gareth. And I, I said, how old are you? He told me his age. I said, when do you retire? He said, I probably retire in three to four years. I said, okay, are you incentivized? In your package, this innovation you're speaking about, does it affect your salary in any different, in any given way? Honestly, no. I said, okay, so what are we really talking about here? You, we're talking about something that's going to happen in seven to 10 years. You're not going to be around and you're not yeah. even compensated on how this happens. Do you really care? 
my, 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 my last statement was, there's no baby. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you are a founder, you are a, a, a tech founder, whatever your idea is, you have this baby and you're hoping to grow this baby so that either it could feed you one day or, or, or you sell this baby and it feeds you another way, right? But mm. if you don't have that baby, you're not, you're, you're act, unless you're that kind of person where you're saying, hey, I truly care about the future of this place or these individuals, there's no, there's no incentive. The, the, the incentive yeah. right now is fear. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah, I, I mean, we got to also be honest with these politicians because they're not very honest with us. But we, uh, we don't have to be like that. We, <laughs> we can tell them as you do. Where's your baby, right? And if you don't have, what do they say about a great civilization? Uh, a society grows great when men plant trees, the shade of which they will never sit in. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Yeah. It, it, so, it, and right because you're saying this is bigger than me. Yeah. I might never even enjoy it. But yeah. if we all keep thinking that way, that means the future is getting better and better and better and better. If, if, if we all can think that way. I have kept you for too long, but I appreciate your time. It is so good to talk to someone who's an optimist about this continent of ours, who has ideas of how to make it better, who's working to do that in practical ways. So thank you very much, uh, Stephen. It's so nice to speak to you. Stephen Newton, the MD of Aleph. Uh, and, and go and check out uh, digitaladexpert.com to find out more. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gareth. Anytime. Great stuff. Cliffcentral.com.